You're listening to Where We Are, a weekend conversation on faith, politics, family, and culture, hosted by me, Michael Ware, and my wife, Melissa. We bring our wide-ranging experiences in politics, ministry, and nonprofit life to bear as we discuss the issues of the day. On this week's episode, we'll take more questions from you, the listener. This is Where We Are. This is where we are. We are the Wares. I'm Michael. I'm Melissa. Well, Melissa, the, the world really is still reeling from hot banana pepper gate. Uh, but we are we are back. Uh, welcome to my humor. We won't be canceled, and uh, and we're we're back to take additional questions from from listeners as we barrel towards Christmas. I know. It's almost Christmas time. Yep. Uh, do you want to tell the good people what our tree looks like downstairs? Uh, yeah. We, I bought a new, we always have fake Christmas trees because I tried a real Not Christmas. Not always. Yeah. I tried a real Christmas tree one year and I said never again. Um, thank you. And so now we have two Christmas trees, which which feels luxurious. And so I went out and bought new lights because the our old one was never strung, you know, pre-strung up. Um, I bought colored lights this time because that's what Sirsha asked for. And I apparently bought one half twinkling and the other half still. So our tree looks like it's, I don't know, drunk at a disco. I'm not really sure. It's uh, It looks like a Griswold type tree right now at this point. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I'm so excited for Christmas. My birthday is next week, and then it's Christmas. What do you want for Christmas, Michael? Oh, I don't have a long wish list. Um, what I what I really hope for is really to give the gift of my book, which you can pre-order. <laughs> <laughs> I caught Michael off guard with this question, and he immediately, you scored. You scored yes. on that round. Yes, yes, yes. The spirit of our politics out in like six weeks. Uh, but uh, but yeah, I, I don't know if I have... You want Slow Food Fast Cars by Massimo I do. Bertura. I and, do, I do, I do. And Lara Gilmore. I really do. I really do want that. What about you? I want perfume, but you, you're refusing to buy me more perfume because I haven't used up all the perfume I have, which yeah. is just a very, just, I, I'll just say it, just a very husband-like thing to say, to be like, yeah, you got to go through all your bottles of perfume. And it's like, no, the point is to have many bottles of perfume and you go through it for like 50 years and like your grandchildren eventually inherit it, like that kind of thing. But yeah, I want some more perfume. I want some hair care, some makeup, like the things that I always want. I like how you're selling me on perfume as an investment, as like a long-term investment. Like think of, like, and if you consider inflation, like how much this perfume would cost for our for our grandkids, uh, you know, 40 years from now. Yeah, this is our generational wealth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, uh, and um, at least it smells nice. Yeah, that's that's the point. <laughs> Let's get to the question. <laughs> okay, so we are going to start off with if 
uh, President Biden were to drop out, which nominee would we want personally and electorally? Obviously hypothetical. This is not going to happen. Knock on wood. Um, I mean, true, yes. I, I honestly do not have like a... I wish this person was running kind of... Like, especially... I have candidates I think would do well. I don't really have, to be honest, like a candidate. It's like, oh, I would love to see this person be president. I'll, yeah. I mean, is there, is there... I had the exact same reaction to this question, and it really told me a lot about the Democratic sort of pool right now of who comes after Biden, who will be running in 2028. Uh you know, I can come up with some people, especially on the electoral side of things, where like, yeah, there are pathways for them. There are ways that, you know, they already have a base or like they definitely would fundraise well. Like, you know, uh, for example, if we were to go to like the progressive side of things, I actually really like AOC. I personally really like her. I think it'd be interesting to see her run for president. Should she be running right now in 2024? I, I, I don't think so. But, um, you know... For somebody interesting and exciting who I think has interesting ideas that I don't always agree with for absolute certain, I think of somebody like her. I think of that congressman in North Carolina, but again, not for 2024, but maybe for 2028, who talks directly to the camera, is young. Um, why am I blanking on his name? Why am I blanking on his name? Josh, no. He's running for AG now. Yes. Uh... Jeff Jackson. Jeff Jackson. Jeff Jackson. Yeah, I, I like him, but I don't really know much about him, so I can't go say that, oh, I think you should go run for president. I like I like people like Lauren Underwood, who I think that Love she's exciting Lauren and wonderful, wonderful. Again, do I think she's 2024? No. I, no, not at all. But she, I guess Lauren would probably be my number one of who I am watching, who I hope will stay in Congress in the first place. That's going to get into another question that we have from our listeners but um who will flourish as well no yeah no but personally it's all like you know am i 60 percent excited for this person to run or like 65 like that's the you know that's <laughs> like the the ceiling at this point yeah okay so what are our thoughts on so many leaving congress It's depressing, uh, right? Ideally, the people who are serving, especially in, you know, the highest elected offices would have testimonies of uh, service and time well spent. And instead, we have this cascade of members of Congress retiring and not just retiring. Like they're, they're not saying I want to spend more time with my family. They're not, uh, they're saying this is a waste of my time. Yeah. Um, they're, so they're, wanna... they're, they're saying like, this is, um, I could be more productive doing anything else. 
Um, so I wanted to ask you, because that's the, that's the thing that is noticeable about this. And I is it noticeable because it hasn't happened like this in the past? Or am I just forgetting another era of like 20, 30 years ago where there was this exodus and the reasons why were Congress is, in a, is ineffectual and it's a waste of my time and nothing gets done and I can do better elsewhere. Has I there mean, been another it's time? Not, it's not like... It's not like new. It's not like these things have never been uttered before. No, I, I know I that. will say it seems worse okay. than ever yes. before. It seems like... That was my impression. They're saying it more openly than ever before. It's no longer... It's not like... You know, random quotes from someone who left office, a, you know three years ago who's doing some you know event in DC this is what people are saying as they announce their retirement <laughs> like this is this is um, this is a public reason that people are giving um, and it just feeds into this cycle of Politics is supposed to be about public service. Politics is supposed to be a, vaca a, a vocation. But, um, you know, it's gotten to the point where even the people in the offices themselves, many of them, others I think would say I'm able to get good work done, but we're seeing record retirements now and so many of those leaving are, are saying they're doing so. Not because it's difficult, not because, you know, the typical thing, Melissa, would be, you know, I have to spend too much time raising money. Like, that's not what these candidates are, uh, th that's not what these elected officials are saying. They're not saying, well, I just got tired of raising money. It's an endless, you're endlessly raising money. That's been like a longstanding thing. The, the, so many have said, and when I say so many, I mean, you know, we're seeing five, seven uh, quotes on the record from elected officials who are retiring saying this kind of thing. And then, of course, there are those like Mitt Romney. Well, Mitt Romney's retiring, but there are others who are staying around who are, who are saying, you know, this place is a mess. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's not good, Melissa. And I don't know... I, I, I don't know what it looks like to turn that culture around. It's so... It's so embedded. The important thing I hope folks hear is how much the people are the problem. You know, they're they're not saying like, oh, if we, if, you know, if if we just had some some reforms, everything would be fine. No, it's just like. The culture of our politics is just people who have dedicated huge portions of their life are saying this isn't worth it. Yeah. <laughs> On that note, let's transition to two listeners sent very similar questions, so I'm putting I'm putting them together. So will Man will um, Senator Joe Manchin run, or will there be a uh, former Representative Liz Cheney slash Manchin unity ticket? 
I doubt Liz Cheney would be on a ticket she expressed, I think. Um, I think she's expressed openness, if not outright support for Biden. Yes. She's certainly expressed, obviously, you know, she's not going to support uh, uh, Donald Trump. Um, I, I honestly don't know about Manchin. Um, I honestly don't know if I want to offer an opinion on that. Uh, because here, here's what's kind of like. There's such like a Joe Manchin... Uh, so many people dislike Joe Manchin. So many people... Um, there's such like a narrative, which, you know, they all have egos, but that, you know, he's a, he's, a, he's an egomaniac and he takes these stands just to draw attention to himself. And so why wouldn't he run for president? This is what he does. I'm, I'm like, not sure that's, I think he's a Democrat who's representing West Virginia. And that's why he takes a lot of the votes that he takes. And I think he's relatively old school. His, um... We don't need to go into Joe Manchin. So, um, yeah, if, if 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 no labels jump in, jump jumps in, like and actually puts a candidate forward, I think there's a strong likelihood that that candidate is Joe Manchin. Uh, but people are trying, organizations, advocacy groups are trying to raise the costs of jumping in. Yes. And so it might it might get sort of bartered away, and we might not see anyone other than RFK, Cornel West, and Jill Stein right. you know, jump in this race. Yeah, I agree. So, what advice do you have for young Christian professionals working in policy or politics? Well, I love this question. Um, the Center for Christianity and Public Life runs a community for young Christian political professionals. Um, and so I'm working with them uh, every day, and even long before this job, I, I uh, have, have worked with young Christian political professionals. And not that long ago, I was a young Christian political professional, believe it or not. Um, I mean, there are there are a few buckets. One is the kind of advice I'd give to anyone, which is. Uh, politics is uh, um, saturated with talent and if you don't love politics if you aren't thinking about it when you don't have to when you're not you know, working, uh, if, if you're not, um, if, if, if you don't consume political information, uh, and it feeds you as opposed to, you know, draining you, um, generally I think you're not going to be able to separate yourself and, and make a productive career path for you, uh, for, for yourself. Um, 
And moreover, I'm not sure you would want to. <laughs> yeah, like like if you don't if you don't really. When I talk to young people, I talk to them about like what separates folks out is their ability to get inside the rhythms and the logics of our politics. And there's no shortcut to doing that other than focused, extended attention and study, both of the theory and the sort of like the academic side, but also just reading the news, watching how news uh, makers operate. Um, I recommend political biographies to young professionals I work with. Anything you can do to sort of like get inside the, again, the logic of our politics is just going to be going to be vital. For Christians specifically, yes, you need to I wouldn't go into politics in a half-hearted sort of way. And most of the Christians I, I meet, that's not their problem. Their problem is this over-determination, this over-identification of their political goals with their faith itself. And that is a sure course to disenchantment, to burnout, to, in many cases, a crisis of faith. Um, and so, so that is, that is specific and important advice, which is don't wait. You don't want to find yourself having spent 25 years of your career placing undue moral and religious burdens on people because you got sucked into a particular slice of a political Christianity and you mistook that uh, for, for being the, the article itself. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you created the Community of Young Christians in Politics even before CCPL was launched, like a good, what, year before yeah. it was launched because you were meeting with young people who maybe were just a few years behind you who time and again could not find community where they could find people who were just as interested in politics or in their niche issue as they are but also were guided by their faith and when it came to the day-to-day -day of their job and th the questions they had to answer and the lines that they had to take and the memos they had to write would sometimes struggle that there was no community for that and kind of felt like they were adrift and you had so you would like <laughs> at least once a month a coffee with somebody it felt like and so finding community finding other people who m match up with you in that way i i think is huge because dc is so transient if we're talking about politics and policy outside of washington dc um, you know, especially if you're in a smaller pool, like, you know, it can become pretty isolating. Uh, and so in general, finding others who are in the same boat as you is really important, especially from the burnout side of things, from the days where you get really discouraged um, or a crisis happens um, 
or a decision that was made didn't go as you thought it would, or as your principal or you know leader of your org or in your uh, in the Hill office, whatever, it didn't it didn't go with the way that they thought it would. I think that that's or thought it should or thought it should. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, that it's very important to surround yourself with people, and a lot of times, especially if you're DC based, it can come through finding a church, and in. I mean, every church that we've ever attended, you will find a bunch of people in those, especially in the D.C. area where they're working for all kinds of government offices or in positions. Uh, it's D.C. is a place where you can find a great church that obviously um, helps you in your faith walk. And then there's usually going to be people who attend it who are working in politics. Yeah, it is. What happens is that these Christians come to D.C. or go to their state capital. They find community at work and then out through work, outside of work, like social, that affirms them in their politics but does not get their faith. And then too often they go to church and there's either indifference or antagonism. Um, and so they're getting affirmation and a sense of purpose from their political community. They're getting mostly, I think, I think the overwhelming sort of uh, thing is just uh, indifference isn't even the, the predominant thing. It's It's a... You know, most of the people you'd meet at church aren't thinking about politics as much as these young professionals are. And so there's just like a, there's a disconnect. There's a, there's a translation issue. What's important to realize is that translation issue is good. It's a, it's a, it's a vital thing. It's part of what it means to be a well-rounded, it will help you become a well-rounded human being. And dare I say, it will make you better at your job if you're not constantly around people who see life primarily through a political lens, particularly your political lens, and particularly who think that their faith inevitably leads to a particular political expression. So, um, so yeah, there's so much, so much else I could say. I, I, I've logged hours and hours and hours of coffees and, mm-hmm. and conversations and it's I love it it's it's um it's always been your favorite yeah so the next question it's a great one too how do you make or maintain friendships as adults <laughs> 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 through effort <laughs> I have found that uh, this is speaking specifically to my personality but I know a lot of people will identify with this is that because I'm the type of person who isn't vocal with my wants and my needs. I'm very insular in that way. I have learned that with friendships as an adult, that if you like someone and you like being around them, you like their company, you like hanging out with them, you like going to concerts with them, I have found that it's really helpful to tell that person point blank, I really like hanging out with you, especially if this is at the beginning of like a burgeoning friendship. Um, Because we all know that starting to make friends is like the most difficult part. 
And I've also now been very vocal, especially if I get into like a networking situation and I really hit it off with somebody, I say, you know, I'm available to hang out and that's actually a real offer. That's not a fake DC type offer where I'm actually just saying it for a pleasantry. Like I actually mean that. I think you're really fun and interesting and cool. It's almost like dating in some ways. So I've learned to be very vocal, um, to affirm my friends as well, because I, I'm usually the type of person who shows love through acts of service. Cause I like acts of service, um, being brought back to me. Uh, and I've learned that for a lot of people, they need to be verbally told, I really like you. I want to hang out more, or I really miss you. Can we somehow make this work? And then I think something that's a bit more systemic to answering this question is how busy are you and how much is busyness running your life? Because I have found that in the last few years, ever since having kids, I decided I am not going to be ruled by busyness anymore because then that busyness will really feed, will really sort of bubble over into my job as being a mom to our two toddlers. And I found that on the friendship side of thing, it's really helped because then when somebody says, oh, I'm going here today, sometimes I can say, if you don't mind if I bring my kids, like, I'll come hang out with you. Where I'm able to sort of just show up on a whim to people's houses if I need to or drop something off because somebody, you know, something happens with a friend. I have found that busyness is also one of the biggest, um, I guess, death knells to a lot of friendships that might already be established but are falling to the wayside. And I get that that kind of evaluation comes with a ton of privilege in terms of, you know, your job structure, your, your current socioeconomic status, like all that kind of stuff. But in general, um, those are the things that I've been thinking about as I'm about to turn 35 and have been trying to make friends for years. It's, it's so difficult as an adult, but I've just started telling people, hey, I'd actually like to hang out and that's a real offer and it's really helped. Yeah, yeah no, I, I think I have thoughts, but well, I think you answered that question well. <laughs> so what is our... Uh, what this 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 question is very funny which town is the best town in the world and this person said and why is it turin which is in italy i'll cut that part out the person is from turin <laughs> so that has something but i thought that. i thought this would be a fun question to answer what yeah. would you say michael i think in the states my favorite city is chicago i love chicago um although we've really warmed up to new york um but i i I love Chicago. I wish um, I'd love to live there at some point again, and, um, and so I think I think Chicago. You know, I have such respect for Indianapolis. I think Indianapolis has such a um, there's such a it, it is one of the most healthy cities civically that I I'm familiar with. Um, and so I think highly of Indianapolis. Um, we do, we love Buffalo. Um, so those, those are the state in the U S those are some of my, my favorite city in the U S is also Chicago. Yeah. It has the food. It has just pillars of culture. Um, the history, uh, 
it's beautiful. I don't mind the the weather because I grew up in Buffalo, even though I do hate winter. <laughs> but if we're talking about like a town though, Santa Barbara comes in at a close second. You do Santa, love Barbara Santa Barbara is so nice. Whoever, if any of our listeners live there, I just good for you. <laughs> if if I can't somehow finagle uh, some kind of halfway retirement position in Italy, I think you'd be thrilled if I ret- if I like retired, became a professor at Westmont, hmm. uh, and we we lived out our our uh, our senior uh, years. Our elder years in mm-hmm. in Santa Barbara, yeah, yeah. But in terms of the world, it's a tie between Bologna and Berlin. Uh, Bologna is my favorite, but we're talking about the best. I think in terms of like other elements, I think that Berlin Berlin is a great city. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna uh, Florence, Florence, <laughs> Florence, Florence. Um, I I like Bologna a lot, but yeah, if you're gonna just flat out, like, not what city do we enjoy most, but, like, best city, Florence. There is... I never get sick of seeing that Duomo. I know. Person. It's so unbelievably beautiful. Um, so, so yeah. Uh, so, so, yeah. Um, is there any... Yeah. I mean, there are other cities we've, we've liked. We like Prague a lot. Yeah. Prague is beautiful. Um... I love London. I've always I was loved just London. Say London but, London's always but yeah, been a top Florence, three. Bologna, Berlin. I think those are a good, good yeah. three. No. Yeah. All right, final question. This is a good one to end on. What's our favorite Christmas carol and Christmas snack? Oh, I'm we your were... favorite Christmas snack. Yes. Yes, you are. <laughs> yes, you are. Why are we uh, always ending our podcast in this way? <laughs> uh, so... I mean, Christmas Carol is such an interesting. Yeah, I it's love, specific. It's specifically Carol. Yeah, I mean, I love "Have Yourself a Merry Little Christmas," but that I don't think qualifies as a Christmas no. Carol. Um, I, oh, Holy Night. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's my second favorite. My favorite is "Carol of the Bells." Okay. I loved singing that one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I like how fast it is. Yep. And it kind of sounds a little bit eerie. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and then what was the other part of that? Uh, our favorite Christmas snack. Uh, yeah, I don't, I'm not a big. Really? Yeah. I love Jingles cookies, Keebler's <laughs> Jingles cookies with like the anise flavor. I was obsessed with those growing up. The little Debbie Christmas trees. I just, <laughs> I just bought, Melissa. I just bought two boxes yesterday. Okay. Um, I I mean I, we did this for we we answered this question for that sounds fun network yes and uh, mold wine and not even I mean sometimes I mean especially if it's like I mean it's it's Christmas it's cold out warms you up but um I just love the smell I love the smell in the yeah. house uh, last last year or two years ago I made mold wine and never drank it like I just realized. You like asked me like what what is what is going on here and I'm like oh like I made it I think I meant to drink it 
but then I just was so happy about how it smelled in the house that I totally forgot. Yeah. The one last thing that I have to say, because you're gonna you're gonna laugh at this, um, but you know, always on a plate of Italian cookies or really Christmas cookies that you know you gift one another in Buffalo, they always used to have the peanut butter blossoms on them, aka the peanut butter cookie with the chocolate kiss in the middle. Yeah. I love oh, those. Great. That's a great Christmas snack too. Yeah. I yes, when I see those cookies, I immediately think of Christmas childhood, the whole thing. Yeah. Well, dear, uh, you are indeed my favorite Christmas snack, if I was going to be honest. Right. And, <laughs> and as always, thank you to our listeners. You've been listening to Where We Are. Bye. Turn up, yeah, I still wanna turn up. All I want is to go.